Today we're looking at the economics of media businesses and instead of CAC versus LTV, the relevant discussions usually revolves around cost of content versus the average revenue per user or ARPU. And often in a lot of longer and more mature conglomerates, there's usually a dual strategy going on in the sense that there's a larger base that is not growing, that it provides the bulk of the revenue as compared to a smaller but quickly growing secondary revenue that uh, captures all of the attention. And this is pretty common in the the M&T part of TMT, the tech media telecom space. Uh, the telecom industry pretty much has a similar thing, even though they're not media, uh, but they have similar economics with lower churn, obviously, and higher capex. So here's one of the better discussions I've heard recently about the New York Times. I want to go a little deeper into like New York Times, PNL 101. You talked about these two golden rivers. Let's talk about the business as it stands today. I presume based on what you said, advertising and subscription are the two main source of revenue. Give us a sense for, I guess, how big that is. And then almost like walk through what are the cost of sales to the business? What are the margins? And you're the CEO of New York Times tomorrow. What are the big levers you're thinking about for how you grow that business? The New York Times has not hit its all-time high revenue since 2000. So revenue for New York Times peaked in 2000 at $3.3 billion in revenue, as well as the Times is doing. So in 2021, revenue was $2.1 billion. This is still 30 to 40% down from the all-time high. And so to show the shift of the business, in 2000, when New York Times revenue peaked, of the $3.3 billion in revenue, 3.1 came from newspapers, 160 million came from broadcast, and 66.6 million came from digital. Look at the breakdown today. So 2021, New York Times did $2.1 billion in revenue. This is the first $2 billion revenue year since 2012. So we're talking about nine years later. Now, when in 2000, the revenue mix was 90 plus percent newspapers, today, 33% of the New York Times revenue comes from the digital news subscription business. And that grew 14% from 2020 to 2021. 28.7% comes from the print subscription business. 14.8% comes from the digital advertising business. And we'll talk about this in a minute, but I actually think that's a huge opportunity for them. 9.1% comes from the print ads business. So just doing some quick math, 37% comes from print and 48% comes from digital. We've seen this complete shift. And then another interesting thing you're seeing is 10% of the business's revenue last year came from this other bucket. And just to give a sense of other, other included content licensing. So licensing New York Times content to other partners, affiliate from Wirecutter, and we'll talk more about the Wirecutter acquisition, TV and film, which has become a pretty significant part of the business, not just for revenue driving, but also from a top of funnel brand perspective, work with Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime Video, etc. And then live events and retail. Obviously, you're seeing to paint kind of like a picture of where the business is now, still haven't gotten to where revenue is in 2000, largely a function of the complete demise of print circulation. Clearly, the New York Times, while it took them a while, understood the importance of becoming a digital subscription first business. We have seen that complete change from where it was majority print to now majority digital. And 
in terms of the margins of the business, the gross profit margin for New York Times in 2021 was 50%. And gross profit margins, just to give you a sense, is basically revenue minus cost of goods sold over revenue. So the cost of goods sold, majority for a business like New York Times, very dissimilarly from a software business, is the cost of people. The New York Times has 1,700 journalists. The New York Times pays its journalists on average 2x more than other news organizations. So that is a massive cost of doing business. And in terms of net margins, so after all costs, not just your cost of goods sold, in 2021 on revenue of $2.1 billion, the New York Times profited $268 million. So 13% net profit margin. Wow. The 2000 number, just one quick clarification. You said it was 3.1 billion. What portion of that was advertising versus subscription? In 2000, when the New York Times did $3.3 billion in revenue, that's when revenue peaked for the business. Of that 3.3 billion, 3.1 was newspapers. Advertising was 73% of print's revenue. The dirty little secret almost is that even though circulation, I mean, it's fallen off a little bit, I'm pretty shocked that of the 2 billion, you're saying 700 million of that is still print. But the real thing that imploded was the advertising part of the business. Exactly. Yeah. Advertising completely imploded. And if you were to look at a chart of New York Times' revenue mix over called the last 20 years since 2000, what you'd basically see if you look at the line of advertising versus the line of digital subscription, you see advertising starting really high, subscription in general starting really low. They cross at some point in the last eight years. And now digital subscription is the lion's share of the business. And digital advertising is picking up while print advertising is stagnant and probably going to continue to decline with print circulation. They made this really hard strategic choice which was putting their content behind the paywall, limiting the ability to monetize via advertising, right? Because the second you put content behind the paywall, you're lowering the surface area to monetize through ads. And they took that really strategic bet because their belief was, if we're creating the best journalism in the world, we are going to convince people to pay for our journalism over other new subscriptions. And over the long term, it's a better type of cash flow. And we'll be able to grow our advertising business because we have a really engaged audience. This is sort of a dumb question, but again, it went from two billion in two thousand by my math to two hundred million today. What is that? Is that classifieds? What is the non-digital advertising business? Print advertising is literally just when I walk out of my building and I see people still getting the New York Times delivered to their apartment doors every day. It's the advertising in there. And my assumption, if this is like how other media orgs sell it, is that now it's sold as a total bundle. The sales org of New York Times is probably going out to some of the biggest brands in the world. And they are selling the online or digital advertising experience with the print advertising experience. But print advertising, if you were to look at like an itemized list of, let's say, a $500,000 ad package for just Fidelity to give you a random example, you're just seeing a smaller and smaller portion that's getting allocated in a media package to ads that are placed on the second page of the New York Times' newspaper versus what shows up on their website. And my guess is a big part of the ad sales, the digital ad sale, is happening on the free portion of their website. Because just to make sure everyone understands, in 2011, 
the New York Times introduced the digital paywall. And what the New York Times is known for is the metered paywall. They kind of pioneered the metered paywall, which basically means that you get a certain number of articles free before you get hit with the subscription prompt that basically says you've hit your free article reach for the month, pay us if you want to see more. And so my guess is a large portion of the digital ads that are sold for New York Times business happening kind of like that free part of the experience with the site. The total audience for New York Times, total registered users is 100 million people. That's not paying, that's free and paid. Paid is 10 million subscribers. So we're talking about 10% of that audience, but across everything, not just their new subscription, their cooking, their games, the athletic, et cetera. My guess is they're monetizing that top of funnel far more then they're monetizing those 10 million subs who are looking at their stuff post paywall. And probably somewhere in the last 20 years, advertisers' willingness to pay for uh, impression and print dropped dramatically and the digital side hadn't caught up. You're the CEO. What are the big levers for how you grow the top line and therefore the bottom line of the business? I think that the big thing is expanding their non-news businesses, which we're already starting to see. So you see the expansion of their games and cooking business, which just hit a million paying subscribers in 2021. You see the expansion into sports with the acquisition of The Athletic. They paid $550 million for this business, eight and a half times revenue, which is definitely juicy for a media acquisition. This basically filled the void of... They weren't covering a lot of local sports before because New York Times generally isn't a local news business. This acquisition opens them now to a market of people who are really interested in sports. So what that allows them to do, so just to talk for like the athletic acquisition for a second, it allows them to increase the overall pie. I talked about before that the New York Times views their TAM as 135 million English-speaking adults. An acquisition like this increases their coverage area, which hopefully gives them a better chance of getting a larger portion of that TAM, but also... It hits on the second piece, which I was just talking about, which is increasing average revenue per user. So just something to realize that average revenue per user of New York Times' business today of a digital subscriber is way lower than what it was for the print business. To give you numbers for a second, digital average revenue per user is $15 to $17 per month. That is the revenue-driven per paying subscriber of the New York Times today. Print, when print was at its peak, average revenue per user was $60 per month. So we're talking about 4X. So the question is, is not only does the New York Times need to increase its digital business from 10 million to its next goal is 15 million by 2027, but it's also a question of how do we close that gap of a 4X difference between the digital average revenue per user and the print. And the way they think about doing that is... One, being able to raise the cost of the New York Times bundle subscription. So they've tested this where in 2020, the New York Times raised their new subscription $2 a month. So nothing significant, but it was a test for them to basically see how elastic is demand for a new subscriber. And they saw minimal churn. That is a relatively good thing for them, for the prospects of the business. If they think they can just increase the cost of their existing business, But what also is going to increase their average revenue per user is as they add more and more offerings, not only are they going to be able to increase the price of the bundle because you're getting more things, but also the idea is with some of their highest value subscribers, they're going to be able to upsell them on other 
subscriptions outside of, say, just the pure news subscription. And what I mean by that is the New York Times outside of The Athletic has 8.8 million subscribers. There are 7.6 million unique paying people, which means there's clearly overlap. People are willing to pay for more subscriptions. And so I think where they see opportunity, and I think they're going to continue to place emphasis, is kind of like an 80-20 rule. How are they going to be able to continue to further monetize the top 20% of their subscribers who are willing to pay for more than one digital product? My general thoughts on media businesses is that they tend to be relatively easy to start, but very hard to scale. But once you do scale, you get to bring in a lot of revenue quickly before you hit some kind of ceiling, uh, at which point you basically have to sell out and go do something else. But then there's a strange U-curve that comes back when you start to be so rich that you are interested in media businesses again, purely for distribution. So you don't actually care about making money. So at the extreme, you get people like Jeff Bezos and Andreessen Horowitz making their own or buying their own media businesses to push their agenda or add distribution or whatever other uh, non-revenue focused goal. Because ultimately, the one thing that's more powerful than the share of people's wallets is the share of people's minds.